1: Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast, where we equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And we have such a great episode for you today. I just finished talking with Alexa Kramer about the Enneagram. It's been a long time since we've done an episode on the Enneagram, and I just want to encourage everyone who's watching or listening to go back into the archives and listen to the episode that I did with Marsha Montenegro. It's really the first time I talked about the Enneagram publicly. And I've really learned a lot about it since. And Alexa has done a lot of research in this topic. And there are so many highlights for me um, from this episode where she talks about some of the ways that uh, sin and the self is talked about in the Enneagram. How do we answer some of the things people might say if they're really into the Enneagram? They might say, well, it's really worked for me. It's it's improved my life. Uh, I, I find it as a way to help diagnose my sin. It helps me become a better person. So talking through all of those. And and Alexa said something that I wrote down because it was so profound. And this is just going to be a uh, paraphrase because I was writing so quickly. But she said something that really hit me. She said, the enemy will always make sure that there's something that's working in one area of your life so he can pour poison into another area. So I would just really encourage you to keep an open mind as you listen to this episode, especially if you're someone who uses the Enneagram. We're not against you. We're not going to be attacking anybody. Just some things for you to pray and about and consider. Um, and so Alexa shared with us who are some of the popular Christian teachers and who influenced them. It's a very eye-opening episode, and I thought that you're going to get a lot out of it. I certainly got a lot out of it. So uh, here's Alexa Kramer. Well, Alexa, so great to have you on the podcast. For anyone who's unfamiliar with you and the work that you do with Mama Bear Apologetics, just introduce yourself to us and let us know uh, what you're all about.
2: Sure. Um, I'm a mom, a stay-at-home mom, and I volunteer with Mama Bear apologetics I'm a contributing writer and I do some other things um but I'm just someone who's really passionate about apologetics
1: I love that I love that you are a stay-at-home mom who's passionate about apologetics we need many many more stay-at-home moms yes. who are passionate about apologetics because yes. I'm as I'm sure you've experienced you're you are the apologist to your kids like you're the one who's <laughs> introducing these topics and talking them through so very thankful for you and I'm really thankful for a recent Art, series of articles that you did at Mama Bear about the Enneagram. This was a lot of research that was involved in this. And I just wanted to have you back on the show because um, I did a podcast episode about the Enneagram probably a couple of years now with my friend Marsha Montenegro. And at the time, I didn't really want to do an episode on the Enneagram. I didn't want to talk about the Enneagram because I saw it all over social media. I saw progressive Christians using it, but I also saw Christians who are theologically solid saying, hey, I'm a number, whatever, wing, whatever. And I just thought, okay, I, it's just not, I'm not going to get into that fight, right? That's just not going to be my lane I'm going to step into. But Marsha uh, really persuaded me to talk about it and because she was saying there's these things people don't know about the history, things they don't know about, it's acts veracity and things like that. And so what was so interesting in that episode, and I encourage our viewers and listeners to go back and uh, listen to that, because while I was on with Marsha, I really wasn't convinced. But about halfway through when she's talking, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, this is this is bad. We need to know about this. We need to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say off the bat, if anybody's listening and maybe you like the Enneagram, we are not going to be attacking you. We just want to share some information for you to pray about and consider as followers of Christ, as with anything that we're going to be using Um as a grid or even almost like as a worldview tool through which we see ourselves or the world or God or our own sin or whatever it might be. So Alexa, without any further ado, let's just begin with talking about what the Enneagram even is. I mean, some people might just be like, what are they even talking about? So what is the Enneagram? So
2: a lot of people think of the Enneagram as a personality test. Um, We can talk about why it's not really a A personality test, Um, but it's basically a diagram with nine points on it. And each point has a list of traits associated with it. And so the idea is supposedly everybody um, can identify with one main number and that's your number your entire life. And so once you find your number, the Enneagram becomes like a map and it helps guide you into becoming a basically becoming a better you. Or if you're listening to a Christian, they might say it's going to guide you to your path um, to God, to yourself. It's kind of one and the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's kind of sneaky because um, it, it feels like it works. And there's psychological reasons why. Um, it's pretty manipulative. But... Um, so I don't want anyone to ever feel embarrassed because I, when I first encountered it, I thought this thing, like this chart knew me. Mm. So it's, it's not about being gullible or foolish or anything. It just, it, there's reasons why it really feels like it works. Um, but the problem is that when you start using it, it's, um, it's planting these ideas that are, they're not just not biblical ideas. They're anti-biblical ideas. Mm. And I think it's people, their worldview starts to change without really realizing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's a good start there. Um, but I'd love to, before we dig a little deeper, tell us about your personal interaction with the Enneagram because you just mentioned mm-hmm. that when you found it, you felt like this test knew you. And, you know, I I had friends who were kind of into it and I don't think I ever took an official test, but everybody diagnosed me as a certain number. And I remember reading the the you know, whatever the paragraphs are that describe that number. And I thought, wow, that really sounds a lot like me. So I get that, too. I mean, yeah, it's definitely something that people feel works. And we're going to talk more about that, because that's really something that persuades people quite a bit. But I'll just give you all a little hint. There are a lot of things that, quote unquote, work that are not of God and not holy. So we're going to talk about that. But Alexa, what's Mm -hmm. your story with the Enneagram and your interaction with it and why you kind of felt like you wanted to speak out about it and write about it?
2: Sure. Um, I encountered it a few years ago with friends and everybody started talking about this thing called the Enneagram and we were all at, at dinner. It was like a kind of like a reunion of girls that I went to church with growing up. Um, and so I'm like, well, I'm going to take this thing. So right there at dinner, I took the test on my phone, um, and it pegged me as a six. And then all my friends were like, oh my gosh, Alexa, you're such a six. And I I was still a little bit skeptical, like based on the traits um, until I listened to a podcast that was another person, another six. And she was telling her story of something that she experienced in childhood. And I was like, I was that kid. That's me. And so I was just blown away. So then I was like, okay, so this thing is, you know, legit. And, um, it was just kind of for fun for me. Um, but this was around the time that, um, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. So the sixes sin is fear. So on the Enneagram, each number has a sin. It's redefined, but they call it a sin. Um that it's like your it's how you see the world. It drives and motivates everything you do. And so this test pegged me as a six and I was experiencing a ton of anxiety. I was going through a severe time of doubt. I know Elisa you have no idea what that's like. Right. right. Um, <laughs> and Um, So it wasn't until the Lord kind of rescued me from my doubt and I started rebuilding my faith that um, I, I started having a weird feeling about it. Hmm. Um, And all the people around me were just enthralled with the Enneagram. Like they're, they're using the numbers like in everyday language. Um, And I just, something didn't sit right. So uh, I'll make a long story short. Eventually I came to your podcast episode with Marsha. Oh wow. And I don't think I our, knew that. Wow. Yeah, that that was the first time I learned about like the history. And I was like, oh my gosh, it, it kind of blew my mind. So then I started following Marsha and reading all her articles on it. Um, and so it would had just been on my heart for a long time before like a couple years before I proposed to Hillary Ferrer with Mama Bear Apologetics that maybe we should write a series on this for moms, because it's very popular among millennial women, young moms. Yeah. Um. So that's that's
0: wow. It.
1: That's so amazing. I don't think I knew that. And but, you know, one of the things that has really been so encouraging to me over the past, however long it's been since I did that episode with Marsha is out of all the podcast episodes I've ever done. That one, I think, was the most I would say, persuasive to people. You know, I produce content that makes some people angry. It makes some people happy. But this one, really, I received so much feedback from people. And I'm so thrilled to know that. And I praise God and give all the glory and honor to him for that. Um, but that's so encouraging to me because I even had a, a someone I know tell me that they listened to that episode and they were like 90 episodes into a Enneagram podcast that they were hosting. And she said she repented. She took down the podcast, deleted all the wow. episodes. Isn't that amazing? And I've, I've received <laughs> so much feedback like that where people yeah. – and I think – I wonder if the reason it was persuasive is because it's probably the only podcast episode – That I have up where I actually became persuaded on air with my guest. (laughs) It was like, okay. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe it it was disarming in that way. So Mm -hmm. I'm so thrilled to know that. I'm very excited to know that. And you mentioned that the, the Enneagram numbers almost become like the everyday language. And a good friend of mine was very frustrated because she went to a small group that was women only it was a women's small group at her church and instead of opening the bible instead of saying okay we're going to study this passage or something like that they went around and asked everybody what their enneagram number was and so my friend of course as it's going around the room she's she's already knows all this stuff and she's not buying it so she's thinking what do i do what do, how how do i I don't wanna like be the party pooper and throw a wet blanket on the room, but I have to say something. So she just really respectfully and nicely said, Well, you know, I just don't really think I'm a number. I don't think that, you know, I don't think there's scientific validity to the Enneagram and I'm concerned about some of its historical origins. So I just I don't think I can be pinned down to a number. So immediately everybody started saying, Well, well, your number this then, your number whatever it would be (laughs) that that would say something like that. And I, my friend made such an interesting insight. She said, you know, it's like every – its almost functions like a worldview after a while because mm-hmm. the whole way everybody then saw her from then on was filtered through that Enneagram filter, and it became very difficult for her to have genuine relationships and, um, you know, with the other women in that group. So mm-hmm. there are definitely some uh, almost idolatry issues that I think can come up with the Enneagram where where people – well you mentioned that they'll list a sin with the number and in a way and I've heard and I've heard people say this who follow the Enneagram that it helps them diagnose their sin mm-hmm. and as Christians I'm thinking that's the Holy Spirit's job mm-hmm. you know that is the job of the Holy Spirit so we don't want something that's going to become a counterfeit Holy Spirit but mm-hmm. did you have any thoughts on that
2: oh yeah I, I think it's a I think it can become a Holy spirit replacement. And then they just kind of add the Christian language on top of it because so the Enneagram, it's supposed to guide you, convict you. Um, what are the, what are the other roles of the Holy spirit? I mean, it, it, it claims all of these roles that, that the Holy spirit's meant to have in your life. Um, which I, I was going to mention at some point, um, one of the studies that I highly recommend to help protect against, um, this whole the whole thing, the whole ideology is studying the Trinity and getting to mm. know the roles of the persons of God, um, because it, it really then you, it's very evident that it's like a Holy Spirit replacement.
1: Wow, that's OK. So that that's good to know. And there's some really great resources. Maybe we'll list some of those in the podcast notes or in the description. I don't really do podcast notes anymore per se, but I just put everything in the description there. So you mentioned something when you were defining it. Um, You mentioned that it's sort of like a path to your true self. And I know that there's also this concept in the Enneagram circles of false self being sort of the word that's used for sin, right? Talk about false self, because this is actually something that is common in new age. It's actually also common with people, progressive Christians like Richard Rohr, who talks about your false self versus your true self. Talk about that a little bit and maybe what could be deceptive for Christians in that concept.
2: Yeah, I I think that's one of the things that bothers me the most about the Enneagram is this whole true false self concept. Now, something that needs to be said, I think, is that you cannot use the Enneagram without buying into the idea that you have a true and a false self. Like, Mm. it's inherent within any use of it. So whether it's a New Ager or a Christian that's teaching it, um, that idea, that's the way it works. So the idea is that your personality and even your sin patterns, anything that is like outward you um, is not the real you and that mm. um, you start out as good and uh, you have this divine essence um, inside you. That's your true self is is you're, you're always um, connected with God and your false self is just as you go through childhood, you experience traumas and you develop um you ha- you're trying to fit into the world so you're developing personality traits in order to fit into this world that's oppressive to you um and even your sin patterns they're just responses to whatever's going on in your life and so that the enneagram is supposed to help you break free of that and get back to the just that true just being and that just mm. being you um and so sin is uh, well, sin's a part of your false self. Although I have heard Richard Rohr, I like to call him the Roarster. Um, I have heard him say, "Well, you can sin in your true self," because he, you know, he never contradicts himself. He's he's very consistent, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Note the sarcasm that's dripping from Alexa right now, because Richard Rohr. I, I just have to pop in and make a comment here. I'm gonna let you finish, but this is something that is so evident to me as I read Richard Rohr is he's constantly saying you should not be dualistic in your thinking. And what he means by that is making these statements that are either or. He said that's simplistic thinking, that's dualistic thinking. You need to become more enlightened and start thinking in the both and. And yet his either or statements are everywhere. Everything everywhere. with him is an either or. So that's what Alexa is talking about with the consistency there with her, yes. with the Rohrster.
2: Yeah, he'll he'll say that um you can still s- well he said one time <laughs> as far as I know that you can sin in your true self but you will recognize it and you'll apologize for it. Hmm. Um but that doesn't make a ton of sense based on everything else I've read about the true and the false self because it's the it's the you sin out of fear or out of a response to something. It's never um it's never about breaking God's righteous law it's just you're kind of doing it to yourself to protect your your true self
1: hey everyone well i hope you're really loving this conversation with alexa kramer on the enneagram and all the updates on that conversation want to take a moment and let you know about our first sponsor today and that is Good Ranchers. Now, this is the time to subscribe to Good Ranchers, which is American meat delivered right to your door. We're talking grass-fed beef, high-quality, better-than-organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, heritage-breed pork, the best meat you can possibly buy, run by Christians, and they support great causes. So there's this is a no-brainer. Good Ranchers is awesome. We love it in our house. But this is this is the time to subscribe because coming October 6th, you are going to lose out on a couple of amazing deals that are going on right now. So that's this coming Friday. So this is the week, guys. This is the week. So what you're going to get if you subscribe between now and October 6th is two years of free ground beef. And you're going to price lock. It's a price lock guarantee. So your your price for your subscription will not go up for two years, okay? So that's, that's an amazing deal. Two years of price lock, two years of free ground beef. It's a no-brainer. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code ALISA to get $25 off your first box as well, in addition to all those other things. So GoodRanchers.com. Use my code ALISA for $25 off your first box. And you mentioned this concept of divine essence that's in you. I'm curious if, because obviously there's sort of more new age materials that are written on the Enneagram, but then there's some quote unquote Christian ones that are Mm -hmm. trying to maybe baptize the concept into Christian culture or into the church. Would they use that phrase divine essence or is it, how would they work that out? Because when I think of divine essence, I'm thinking of panentheism. So, and and Richard Rohr, the Rohrster, I just, I feel like I need to call him that now because it's kind of. It's sort of affectionate <laughs> as well. Like I'm praying for the yeah. rooster, but um, but he's openly, you know, panentheist, mm-hmm. teaching that um, the the universe, of course, was created by God. But he's he teaches that when God created the universe, He poured His spirit into matter. Uh, infusing all matter with his sort of divine—I don't know what word he specifically uses. I don't have the quote right in front of me, but basically his spirit, and he calls this the universal Christ. It's in every molecule Mm -hmm. of created matter. And so, therefore, you have within you this divine essence. Well, panentheism teaches, you know, pan means all, theism is God, and means in, so God is in all, all is in God. That's the view. Uh, Do you find that concept in some of the maybe more christian resources that are trying to pass as evangelical or or how might they they word something like that
2: um i've seen in the book the road back to you so that is um that is a very popular yeah. christian published Enneagram book um they quoted a uh I, I don't know i think the person they were quoting was a new Ager, but he uses um essence and talks about your your like I forget the wording, but it's like this bright, shim- it's shimmering, shimmering essence. Oh, wow. Um, so it really depends on who you're listening to. But it is important to know that pretty much every Christian and neogram author, podcaster, teacher, influencer, they've all been influenced by Richard Rohr. Yes. So
1: that's important. His,
2: his thinking, I mean, they hold him in such high regard. So um, even... Uh, Beth McCord, who she has a huge Enneagram following. She's the uh, your Enneagram coach. Um, she doesn't talk a lot about Richard Rohr, but the first book that got her into the Enneagram was his book, The, S- the Sacred Enneagram. And she said that she was just pouring over it. Mm. And so that's what brought her into the Enneagram world. So yeah. they've all been influenced by him. It's in there. But it's and this is important. It's, it's yeah. I think this
1: is really important for our viewers and listeners to understand. There may be people who have come to this podcast episode based on the topic. Maybe you're not familiar with some of the stuff we've talked about on the podcast in the past. So maybe you're unfamiliar with Richard Rohr, but you need everyone needs to understand how important it is to understand what Richard Rohr believes and teaches. Richard Rohr denies individual salvation. He teaches that uh, he teaches a form of universalism called uh, perennialism, which is the idea that. Religions should remain distinct, but they're all coming from and going back to the same divine source. So Richard Ward does not believe God's going to punish anybody in hell. In fact, he outright denies the uh, penal substitutionary atonement of Jesus. He says outright, there was no sacrifice needed. Uh, So he really denies the, the core Christian gospel, and it's all over his writing. So when the Enneagram people that you're reading, maybe they're Christians, but if they're influenced by Rohr, especially as as it would relate to the Enneagram, which has so much to do about what we think about ourselves and our sin nature and who we are, uh, you know, this is very important to understand that influence coming in even to Christian teachers. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Alexa. Mm -hmm. Um, about the divine essence, because I'm thinking about, like, that would have to have implications for what we think about the doctrine of original sin, right? It's not my false self. I have a fallen nature. The Bible says that by nature, I am a child of wrath, that my Mm -hmm. sin separates me from God, and it's not just about finding my true self or that shimmering essence or whatever. That—the Holy Spirit is not—and this is—this might should surprise some people, and I don't mean it that way. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, but we are not children of God until we trust in Christ for our salvation. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, uh, to them, it is given the to who believed on his name. I think it was Jesus who said this. If not, it might be Paul, but um, I'd have to look up the verse. But it, the Bible says that to those who believe in his name, he's given the right to be called children of God. So although all humans have been made in the image and likeness of God, and because of that have uh, inherent dignity and value and worth, we've all distorted that image through sin. And so it's not a matter of just finding our true self over our false self, but recognizing that we are sinners, and we need to repent and believe that was Jesus' message, repent and believe the gospel. So uh, any thoughts on that before we move to the next question?
2: Yeah, um, that reminded me of how how the Christian Enneagram teachers will interchange um, the true self and the false self with the old self and the new self. Mm. So they'll use those terms in the same sentence and mean the same thing. And so it's kind of sneaky if you're not listening for it, if you're not aware. Um, those those concepts are completely different because the the old self and the new self, the new self is um, you died to your sin and, and it was Christ that brings you to life.
1: So. Yeah. 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 That's good. Okay. Well, why should people care about this? I mean, the Enneagram kind of comes off as just this personality test. It's just innocent. Almost. I've heard people say it's just kind of like a parlor trick. You know, you take the test and it's kind of fun. So are we making too big of a deal about this? Is it really more innocent than we think? Um, why do you think this is relevant to talk about even for people who already say, look, I reject the Enneagram? Why do we need to realize the seriousness of this?
2: Yeah, I think it is. um, I think it's really manipulative. And like, a lot of times we talk about, like, especially as apologists, we like to talk about how to discern truth from lies. But the other angle on it is that the enemy is manipulative. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit different. Um, And I think uh, people might, there are a lot of people that saw the shape of the enneagram and it reminded them of a pentagram, and so they're like,
1: <laughs> "Nope, right. that's
2: evil. That thing is evil." And thank God that they, you know, stayed away from it. That's great. But um, if you're not aware of the uh, manipulative techniques that are used to make it seem like it works, then those kinds of deceptions can happen in a different area that you're not aware of. Yeah, um, that's good. So I think it's just important for all people to be aware of how we can be deceived and manipulated.
1: All right, we're pressing the pause button so I can let you know about another one of our sponsors. I love this company. This is Carly Jean Los Angeles, which is a Los Angeles-based clothing company started by Carly Jean Brannan. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's a Christian. She's pro-life. And the clothes are adorable. They're so cute and honestly kind of addicting, if I'm honest. I'm wearing a T-shirt today from Their Basics line, just a nice classic uh, cotton T-shirt that I wear all the time. I, In fact, I get com- compliments all the time when I'm wearing Carly Jean's clothes. I've been wearing them a lot when I speak and, of course, on the podcast. And they have an app. They have this really cool app where if you download the app, you get sometimes early access to sales that they're running. You get to sneak peek on some of the new lines that they're coming out with, which they're constantly coming out with new clothing lines. Such cute stuff for fall in right now. Yummy sweaters. Love, love, love Carly Jean Los Angeles. So go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use my code ELISA for 20% off your first order. That's Carly Jean Los Angeles.com. Use the code ELISA for 20% off your first order. Well, let's talk about some of those manipulative tactics, because the one thing I always hear from people is, you know, it works. It works. I've become a better person, or it's really helped me in my marriage, or it's helped me in my relationship. It's helped me relate better with my kids and my coworkers. It's helped me achieve more in my job. It, it just really works. What? But share with us some of those manipulative tactics that you're talking about.
2: Okay. So, well, the fact that it works... Um it's it's more of your what's going on in your mind. You're doing more work than you think you are <laughs> than the Enneagram. So um, and I do think that the enemy will allow something will allow something to improve in your life if he can soak sure. poison it in an area you're not aware of.
1: OK, that is what's so it? important. What you just said. That is so and say it again.
2: <laughs> the enemy will be happy to allow you to improve in an area in your life, if he can sow poison in an area you're not paying attention to.
1: Oh my goodness, that is good stuff right there. <laughs> That's stuff.
2: why objective truth. When we cling to what's true, it's protective. It protects us because we don't know what we don't know. And so, if we can, if we base how we view the world, and we, if we're taking everything, every thought captive, whatever we're allowing to take space in our minds. And we subject that to what's objectively true, then we we are protected by that. And when we step out of that, we're just trying to um, base what we believe based on what resonates with us or what feels true, we get ourselves into a spot where we're we're just ripe for being manipulated.
1: So good. So so tell us about the tactics. That's so good. Sure. Good stuff. <laughs>
2: So one is there's a concept called outs, and it's used by anyone that's that's doing any kind of psychological trickery. So it could be like a magician, or it could be sinister, like a someone who's like a con artist, just a psychic reading. Um, so I might mention psychics a few times because <laughs> they use these tactics. Okay, um, and I'm not trying to say that there's nothing supernatural going on ever, but they're they definitely use. Um, these these things we're gonna talk about today too. So um, the concept of outs, there's an old magician's trick where they'll start out their show uh, with a deck of cards and they'll have somebody tell them, um, like name a card. And they'll name the card, now the magician, it's great if they name the card that's on top of the pile because then they can blow everybody's minds, they start out the show with a bang. But if they get the, if they say a different card, then they already have a plan they have 51 outs. Every other card is an out. It's an escape route. And they will just turn it into a joke and make everybody laugh. So it's like a win-win
0: scenario mm-hmm.
2: for them. So the Enneagram, it's full, it's full of outs and win-win scenarios because it's very malleable. So however you respond, um, it can be kind of, it can work around with to make sure that it works for you. Because you're one main number, but you actually relate to five numbers out of the nine because you're you're one number, but you go to a different number when you're in health or in growth. You go to a completely different number when you're in stress. Then you have wing numbers on either side of your number, and you can take the traits from either of those wings as well. And so you're really relating to at least more than half the numbers on the chart. And I haven't even talked about the scientific side of it where those numbers are not they're not really distinct. Um, it doesn't type people accurately, scientifically. But if we push that aside.
1: <laughs> okay. We can go to that next. Yeah.
2: Okay. I don't know. that. That's more Jay J. Mendenwald's <laughs> world. Okay. He's got all the science on that. Um, but yeah. So there's like it's uh, escape routes everywhere. So that's, I have a little list here. So then you've got uh, a concept called the rainbow ruse, which is a real, it's a name of an actual tactic tactic technique that like people like psychics and mediums will use. And I noticed this immediately in the I'm reading a book with all these um that's exposing these kinds of tactics. Yeah. And I was like the Enneagram does that. The Enneagram does that. Oh wow. Um so the Enneagram or the Rainbow Ruse is uh it's a technique where the whoever's doing your reading or the book will have these statements um where it attributes Two opposite characteristics to you um, in a statement that covers all possibilities, but it feels really specific to you. So here, do you want me to give you an example? Yeah, please. Okay. So Elisa, tell me if you can relate to this. Okay. You can be a considerate person, quick to help someone out, but if you're honest with yourself, you've got a bit of a selfish streak in you as well.
1: (laughs) That this is true. This would be true. Me too. It's got me all figured out.
2: <laughs> I, talking, I wrote that specifically for you,
1: Lisa.
2: Um, no, so if you look at the enneagram, there's opposite traits everywhere. Like even I heard um, there's a YouTube enneagram coach who said that the your wing numbers they're like in tension with one another because they they're opposite traits, and it's like you have this internal battle, and so it's it's mm. everywhere. But this is actually. A tactic to make something feel like it's talking about you, about you,
1: yeah, because it's kind of pretty general. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who that statement wouldn't apply to that you just said, yeah, you know, especially like when we're having a bad day or I'm kind of cranky, I might take the more selfish route versus you know the considerate route. And when I'm having a good yeah. day, I'd be more but considerate, that just means probably that
2: you're on your growth track or on your
1: stress track,
2: you wow. see, yeah. <laughs> you're just exhibiting these different traits.
1: Yeah, wow. that's yeah, mm-hmm. that's it's kind of like, you know, you you um, see these TV shows about mentalists who claim to speak to the dead. And I again, we know the demonic exists and there's a really good chance in many of those cases they're talking to demons or spirits or something along those mm-hmm. lines. So I don't I'm not discounting that. But a lot of times these people are just really good at saying yeah. something kind of general enough to get you to to cue that that applies to you and then kind of start narrowing in on it. So would you say the Enneagram is is operates a little bit like that?
2: Oh, it's everywhere. It's mm. okay, honestly, um when you start coming to it with that mindset of all the statements that they're that they're using are so general, like large groups of people will fit into every every personality statement that they make or story that they tell. Um, when you come to it like that, in having to do research for this, watching the videos and reading the books <laughs> became very boring <laughs>
1: mm.
2: because. Wow. It, They're not saying anything meaningful, but if you're looking at it for yourself, your brain is filling in all of this meaning and information. That's another concept that's in this book. I have a quote I could read from it, Um, but you're, they use these generalized words and then your brain fills in experiences and memories, and so it really feels like it's talking about you because you don't realize how much your own mind is filling in.
1: Wow! For it. Wow, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, there's one tactic you mentioned uh, before we went on the air called the claims of ancient origins. What's that one about?
2: Yes. So, if you were to go to a tarot reading, a lot of times the the person will have a tarot cards and they'll rough them up, and then they'll make a story about how ancient these are, um, because it's it's known that. If people feel like that they're tapping into some kind of ancient wisdom, that they'll trust it more. And I I read that, and my mind was blown because I had already known that the idea that the Enneagram is ancient was made up. Mm. So um, on, in a video on YouTube, you can watch uh, the man who created the personality types for the Enneagram. That he did that in the 70s. So the personality part of the enneagram was added in the 70s, which is not not ancient. Um, right. But he admits that that he made up. He and his mentor Oscar Ichazo made up the idea that the enneagram is ancient because they trust it more.
1: Wow. And he was just so kind of they, laughing they about admitted it. Admitted this. They admitted this. Yeah.
2: Wow. yeah. You can watch it. Anybody can go go on YouTube and find that video. It's like the origin of the enneagram um, with Claudio Naranjo. And yeah, he talks about it right there. So I, it's just another way um, to just try and, and get it to seem like it's this this ancient wisdom. Richard Rohrer still, he knows that it's, I think he, in, in one book, he talks about how he knows that it was kind of developed in the early 1900s, the original Enneagram, but then he still has on his website that it has roots in ancient Christianity and Judaism and it's not true. It's just not wow. true. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. So so what is the history? We we covered this a little bit with Marsha in the past episode, but in case anyone hasn't heard that one, um, w- what is the history of the Enneagram as far as, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, it's rooted in the occult. So mm-hmm. fill us in on that.
2: Okay. So originally the Enneagram was not a personality thing. Um, it was developed by George Gurdjieff in the early 1900s. And he was just a mystic and he used the Enneagram to like, he believed it held all the laws of the universe. It was very mystical. He cre- used it to create musical scales and dances. Um, and eventually um, a man named Oscar Ichazo learned about this Enneagram and started adding what he called ego fixations to the nine numbers. And those are kind of like, like the sins that are associated. Um With each point. And then his student, Claudio Naranjo, he added the personality types um, via automatic writing.
1: Tell us what that is.
2: So, automatic writing is spirit contact. You go into a trance and you summon a spirit and you let them write, move your hand, and write for you. So, I like to say it's like, okay. Worst case scenario, the teachings that we have for the Enneagram today come from
1: demons. Yeah.
2: But even the best case scenario for someone who's skeptical about that, the best case scenario is some man went put himself into a trance and just like moved his hand around and said, ah, this. (laughs) This Yeah. This will tell you who you are. It's like it's either way. It's not legitimate.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. It's almost too sneaky to be just him moving his hand, though, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I kind of lean toward the uh, the first option there. Mm-hmm. But but I but it's true. Even if it wasn't influenced by a spirit at all, and it's just you know some random thing, it's not based in real research. It's not based in yeah. anything that's scientifically valid or, or anything like that. Now, just to play devil's advocate for a minute here, yeah. there are some things we do that have their origins in sketchy things, right? Even, you know, pagans invented the fork or something. So our forks pagan, you know, that's kind of always the the discussion or there might be some something that originated one way and then we celebrate it, but we don't celebrate it according to that original meaning. Do you think there's some validity to that? In fact, there's a, actually a a logical fallacy called the genetic fallacy, which is mm-hmm. the act of rejecting or accepting an argument on the basis of its origin rather than on its content. So, is that what we're doing here with the, the Enneagram? I could hear a skeptic maybe saying there, not, not even a skeptic, but just somebody saying, hey, you know, we, we do things that have sketchy beginnings. We don't mean it that way. So, is this just the genetic fallacy where we're not actually analyzing the content, but just saying we reject it because of this origin?
2: Yeah, I have two things to say about that. So the first is I don't think that the genetic fallacy is valid here because we're talking about, um, it is the content that we're worried about. It's the content that came from divination and Christians are forbidden from engaging divination. Um, and so I think that that immediately invalidates any use of it just on its own, but, even if we were to just look at the at at what the teachings are, if we're to analyze it scientifically, it doesn't hold up in any other realm either. So other than potential experience, what what feels like it works, um, any other realm of of study or knowledge, it doesn't work. Mm. so.
1: Yeah. I I and plus you have the origin, which kind of just is the big cherry on the top for, for, you know, being skeptical about the Enneagram. So mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that this isn't mainly your area of study, but do you have just off the top of your head, any of the kind of scientific data or just a couple of broad points that might help us even understand it from, because I remember Marcia saying that she said, it's not scientifically valid. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even know how somebody would go about figuring out what kind of a personality test would be scientifically valid versus not so do you you have any information on that at all or
2: um yeah a little bit i'm trying to remember like the studies i was trying to read and understand (laughs) yeah um like the actual data so um it does make claims that can be tested like certain uh personality traits and so the groupings of the traits are not, they don't actually fit types of people. Like the way that the traits are grouped in each number, they overlap. So this, which makes sense because you're, that's why it feels like it works mm-hmm. because they're not really distinct personality types. Yeah. Um, and so there have been no tests that validate it. <laughs> There's yeah. one um, that the Enneagram Institute Conducted, and so they use that to say that they they've had it scientifically validated. But what happened in the test is um, it didn't come out right, and so they they just switched certain traits to a different number or something. I I might be yeah, met, yeah. Miss, missing missing that up, but um, Jay Menonwalt has that all written on his on his okay. website. Okay, and is there maybe out.
1: there's a we can put that resource in the description as well because yeah. I know he's done quite a bit of uh, research. In that area, it kind of sounds to me a little bit like the cosmological constant for anybody who studies apologetics and the cosmological argument. When I think, if I'm saying this right, it's been a while, but Einstein discovered um, it was a mathematical equation that he fudged the the numbers a little bit because he just couldn't accept the. The uh, outcome of it. Oh gosh, Frank Turk would know this off the top of his head. I'll have to go back and look at it, but it's it's something like when we don't like what we find, we just kind of fudge the numbers a little bit and make yeah. it work. So that sounds yeah. like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, who are the main Christian influencers that we would need to be aware of who are promoting this? And again guys, please, we're not saying these people are not Christians, we're not saying they're heretics, we're not saying they're going to hell, um, but but it is good for us to be aware of where this is all coming from and maybe um, just to be better discerners as far as, you know, what what material we take in and who these people are influenced by. So who, who would you say are the main Christian authors or influencers who are promoting the Enneagram, particularly within the evangelical church?
2: Okay. Um, Beth McCord, for sure. Uh Ian Cron. He's got the Typology podcast. Uh, there's Elizabeth Bennett. These are the ones that I can think of at the top of my head.
1: Um, yeah. And Ian Cron, I, I have to do a little bit more uh, research on him, but there's a lot of overlap with him with progressive Christianity. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. off the top of my head what his theology is, but there is definitely overlap. I've I've seen overlap with him with progressive christianity and so um just be aware of that He was mentored
2: by the roster.
1: Oh, he was mentored by Richard Rohr. Well, there you go. So, yeah, man, and these are the people who are saying this is Christian. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That's important to to know as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you've mentioned some things about the enemy planting subtle ideas and, you know, just the enemy is manipulative. He's the, listen, he's the father of lies. He's been at it since the beginning. I even think about in the Garden of Eden when he came to to Eve and he said, did God really say? And then what's interesting is what, what happens after he says that is that he first questions what God has actually said, but then he then there's like a twist that happens. There's an omission and an addition, and then he just twists the whole thing. He says, oh, you will not you know, you will not surely die. So he's questioning it, he's twisting it a little bit, and then he just outright contradicts it. All mm-hmm. He's like tinkering around to see how can I get through to this person, yeah. right? And even thinking about Jesus in the wilderness and the temptation when the devil comes to him and says, if you're really the, the son of God, turn the stone to bread. And Jesus of course, famously says, it is written quotes from Deuteronomy, Quotes scripture, and then the enemy quotes scripture back to Jesus. But this time, he's not questioning what God said, because he quotes it accurately, but he's questioning what it means. He's just trying any in he can, and he's really good at deception. And mm-hmm. a lot of what happens within deception is manipulation, as you've mentioned. So mm-hmm. if you could just kind of sum it up, what is the subtle idea that the enemy is planting in the hearts and minds of people, including Christians, mm-hmm. through the Enneagram?
2: Uh, I honestly think it's that we don't need the type of salvation that we've been taught in the church. Mm. Um, We don't need to be saved from our sin. Uh, The atonement is not necessary at that point because you, like your true you is really innocent and you're really good deep down. I think this is the idea that I think is, Mm -hmm. is persuading people Um, because there's a reason for all of your sin and it's, and you know, now that you know, you're more responsible, you should be (laughs) managing your sin. They Mm. use the phrase managing your sin. Um, but I think that's the biggest problem It completely undermines the gospel. It takes away what, why you need Christ. And it, it makes more, it makes, uh, Christianity more of like this, self-serving spirituality it's more about your experience it's about how you feel and you being um, feeling enlightened and feeling spiritual uh, rather than god being real a real person (laughs) to have a real relationship with him that christ actually died to pay for your sins i think it takes all of that out the window that's why i think it's so sinister Mm.
1: So, and just to to be completely fair, my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong is that someone like a Beth McCord would not outright say you don't need to be saved from your sins. In fact, my understanding mm-hmm. is that she would teach that you do need to be saved from your sins. She would teach those things. Am I am I wrong about that? Or
2: you're not wrong about it? But I think that they redefine words.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, and that's something to be really aware of because somebody might say you know, yes, you need to be saved from your sin, but sin might mean something different or saved might mean something different. And that's Mm -hmm. something I've encountered in progressive Christianity is that a lot of the same words are being used. It's like same vocabulary, different dictionary. And honestly, Alexa, my biggest concern with the Enneagram, well, I I wouldn't say it's the biggest, it's equal with what all that you've talked about here today, just the, the invalidity of it, the the occultic origins and overtones, the New Age doctrine kind of coming in. But what really concerns me about the Enneagram, and I think I said this on my podcast with Marsha, or what I realized, I think, on my podcast with Marsha, is that even if, like let's say the Enneagram is just innocent, it's fine, it's no different than just taking a typical personality, to, let's even say for argument's sake, that's the case, which I don't believe it is. I think it's, I agree with you, Alexa, it's sinister. But let's just say it's perfectly innocent. There's nothing wrong with it. It's demonstrable that progressive Christianity was ushered into the evangelical church like a Trojan horse through Richard Rohr's work on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Almost everybody who's even more of a theologically conservative Christian who follows the Enneagram, who studies the Enneagram, has read Richard Rohr's book. And he is, I have no hesitation saying he is a heretic. He does not teach true christianity in fact works very hard to move people away from historic mm-hmm. christianity so i see it like a trojan horse this was this was the way that or one way possibly that progressive christianity became so influential in the evangelical church, because all of a sudden you, you hear people quoting Richard Rohr, and you see evangelical leaders quoting Rohr, because maybe they don't realize how terrible his theology is, or how, um, how many people he's leading away from God. But uh, mm-hmm. it's something to really take seriously. I think uh, I am with you on that. I think we need to take this seriously. And again, if anyone's listening or watching, and maybe, you know, you've used the Enneagram, and maybe you like it, we're just asking that you pray and consider what we're mm-hmm. saying. And I would also say, consider if there's anything in our lives that we just want to clutch with our fingers really tight, those things can become idols, and the Enneagram can become an idol. It can become an idol in anyone's life just like anything else can, something that we think about more than God, something that we focus on and study more than we study God's Word, and I think that's a huge red flag for us as well. Um, But, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that the Enneagram has really helped me. So what if the Enneagram has helped someone? What would be your advice to them? If they're listening to this, they're saying, but it really helped me.
2: Uh, I don't doubt that that it it helped in some areas of your life. Um, Probably helps people to feel more empathetic because they feel like they understand people more and they're more compassionate with themselves. Um, But I would just try to remember that that, you're building this empathy on something that's not necessarily true. So this tool, because it's not telling you truth, you may be building a story in your mind about somebody or about yourself that isn't accurate and it puts you in a vulnerable spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that if you can, I mean, if, if the Lord leads you to, to move past the Enneagram, Um, thank him for what he has done because all good things come from God, not the Enneagram. (laughs) Um, and ask him to help you be relieved from it. Cause I think it actually puts a a heavy burden on you. you might not realize, um, it's not up to you to figure people out. It's not up to you to diagnose your own sin. The Holy spirit will, We'll do that for you. Yeah. And help relieve you of that.
1: And I love what you said earlier about objective truth. You had you had such a great statement about that because even diagnosing what good things it may or may not have done for someone. You have to measure that against Scripture because something might feel good. It might feel like it was a good thing in your life. But if it's something that goes against God's Word, if it goes against Scripture, you know that's actually not a good thing. The devil comes as an angel of light. These things are going to feel right and good. You're going to feel like you're more empowered and stronger and feeling more freedom. But we have to. We can't know what's good unless we have that standard of objective truth, and we have God's revealed word to us, where we can know if the fruit in our life is good fruit or bad fruit. And when the New Testament talks about good fruit and bad fruit, it is directly referring to obedience to Christ. It is not about having a good feeling or having some sort of you know vague sense of peace. Mm-hmm. The fruit of the good fruit in a Christian's life is evidence of obedience to Christ. And I'm not saying perfect obedience, none of us have perfect obedience, but there should be evidence of conviction of sin, of us doing our best to turn from our sin and follow Christ, be conformed to his image day after day, the renewing of our mind. This can only happen through God's word, not through a tool like mm-hmm. the Enneagram. So, Alexa, final words that, you know, if you if you could just have a room full of pastors, a room full of moms, room full of Christians, um, what would be your word to them regarding the Enneagram?
2: I would say, please care about what is true. Mm. More than, um, I think, I think the world right now and a lot of Christians care more about what is good, but since they're putting that above what is true, they're determining what is good based on what, what feels like it's good or feels like it's true. Um, but I don't think we have the capacity to do that very well as humans, fallen humans. Um, So I just want people to care, care about what's true. It protects you from being manipulated. Um, Christ is our truth. His word is his word to us. And that's, that's what I got.
1: Very good. All right. So I want to thank my guest, Alexa Kramer. Alexa, that was fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to read more about what Alexa's written about the Enneagram, you can go to mamabearapologetics.com. And I believe, is it three or four parts, Alexa? Three three parts, and it starts with the Enneagram part one, a crash course, and there's three parts that you can go a little bit deeper with Alexa on that. And also wanna thank uh, one of our sponsors for today, which is Southern Evangelical Seminary. You can go to ses.edu slash Elisa, download a free ebook there, and find out all the wonderful reasons that I love Southern Evangelical Seminary and why I've chosen there to be a student. And as we pursue Christ, let's always remember to keep a sharp mind, a soft heart, and a thick skin. We'll see you next time.